Good morning. New guys, my name is Joe Barlow. Welcome. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. You know, normally after a deer camp, I'd turn to look at Phil and say, how was it? And he would say, best one ever. I was at deer camp, first time in 17 years. 2005 was the last time I went through the whole weekend. For me, it was the best one ever. Phil says everyone's the best one ever. Was the best one ever. Yeah. Marshall, what'd you think? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Translated from Marshall, that means it was the best one ever. From a turtle? Absolutely. From a turtle? That's the best one ever. Let me clarify. Best one ever. Guys, you know, um, sitting in sitting in the in the pavilion at Deer Camp over the weekend with a group of guys, alumni and then and then new guys, uh, you know, I became astutely aware. That is men, a lot of times, maybe I'm the only one in the room, I don't think I am. We try to figure out how we can just control it. How can we manage this? How can we just take our lives and our relationships and just manage them and keep them, you know, at least between the ditches? Why not keep it in the middle of the road, but between the ditches? Mr. Creekmore stepped up this morning and made a request. It is so obvious. This world is not about us. The war that's being waged in this world far exceeds us. It's a heavenly war, a war between good and evil. If you're not sure if that war is at that level, look at Ukraine right now. My God. Bombing hospitals with children in them claiming they have weapons of mass destruction, being an aggressor before a supposed aggressor comes at you. That's beyond my ability to think, comprehend. That's a war between enemy and our God. Out of that, what do we do with the broken pieces? That's what this series is about on Isaiah. God taking the broken pieces and restoring them. Whether it's a man at deer camp, myself, taking broken pieces, reassembling me, taking the broken pieces of my marriage, putting them back together in new light, broken glass reassembled as a mosaic stained glass. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, I thank you for my brothers. Those who are at Deer Camp, those that have been at Deer Camp, <clears throat> those that I hope will make Deer Camp next month. Lord, you are the master of all. You are Lord of all. The enemy has no chance with you. As men, we continue to try to manage, make it work. Mm. I invite you into our hearts. Mm. I invite you into our lives. I invite you here to the men's roundtable. Mm. Thank you so much for the men here. Thank you for Phil as he leads us and brings your word to life to us. Mm. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Joe. <clears throat> Let's 
Morning, gentlemen. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I have a song for you this morning that I want to offer you in a way that would um, awaken your heart, open your heart to what God has for us. And just to give you a little bit of context on this, if you look at your notes, we've been going through piece by piece um, the pieces of the transformation puzzle. <clears throat> and um, on your handout, there on the on the on the uh, right hand side, uh, in those links in the middle of the page, it says video 19 skills, and there's a link there. Um, and these 19 skills come from a ministry called Thrive, T H R I V E. And um, the uh, leader of this, Jim Wilder, calls himself a neural theologian. And what he is doing is doing brain research in understanding how transformation, godly transformation takes place. So it's a way to understand this process of sanctification, if you will, uh, a Christian godly transformation process through how the brain works. And so um, he's identified in these 19, and in, in, in that resource, uh, those 19 skills, that link is, is where I'm getting these 19 skills. And so we've been going through these, that 19, you know, we started out with sharing joy and how that works, being able to get quiet, soothe yourself, forming bonds of two. And then last week, we looked at creating appreciation and forming uh, family bonds, being on a team. This morning, we're looking at number six and number seven. And number six is this idea of suffering. How does suffering work? If we are to grow as God intended us to grow, we've got to have a paradigm of suffering because it, it, it's present, it's always present, it's going to happen, it is happening. How do you handle suffering. And then secondly, we'll look at telling synchronized story or just simply telling your story. And that's what we do um, in our men's weekend. The 19 pieces is the micro version of this idea of transformation. The macro version, the conceptual is number one uh, would be developing intimacy with God there on your page. It's actually number two, but if, but if we were going in order, I would rearrange these and I'd say, look, you gotta begin to develop an intimate walk with God. That's number two on that list. And then uh, number two, which is number three on the list, I would say, you've gotta get on a team, you gotta live in community. Life is a team sport. And then as you're walking with God, develop an intimacy with him, and you're on a team, then you're working through these 19 skills. Uh, this is what you practice. Practice? Yes, practice, Alan. Practice, practice, practice. 19 skills, and we're looking at number six and number seven. And so in a way to uh, begin in, uh, in offering you this song, I want you to think for just a minute 
how suffering is working for you right now. Um, I believe that every man in this room is being stretched in some way. There's something going on in your life in a relationship or circumstantially that's uh, uh, inviting you into a place of fear and anxiety. And yet walking by faith means that we trust God, that that which causes me uh, anxiety and fear and all kinds of other discomforts uh, can be walked through in peace and joy and confidence. But the suffering is the battlefront. And certainly, as, as Joe suggested, my goodness, guys, does not all of our hearts break for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine? What's, what's so amazing about this Ukraine story that you don't necessarily hear on the news is all of the backstory that's going on relative to the gospel. I mean, there has been hundreds, thousands of hours spent in the Ukraine in mission work um, through the last number of years. You probably know, and, and uh, I'd, I'd love to get our friend Bo here, uh, Jeff, one morning uh, and, and let Bo tell his story. Um, uh, what's Bo's last name? That's right, Bo. Uh, Bo Bowen, uh, many of you know Bo, great friend, and uh, Bo's been going to the Ukraine uh, every two or three, uh, every month or so for 20 years, as long as I've known Bo. Um, and um, he's part of the uh, great missionary work and uh, gospel spreading that's been going on in Ukraine for years. And I know his heart breaks uh, for what's going on there. So there's lots of suffering over there and in here. I want you to identify where the pain is in your life. And then I want you to identify um, someone that you know that is going through suffering. You know somebody. I want you to identify them, and then I want you to be prayerfully mindful of our brothers and sisters and our friends in the Ukraine. And then I want you to listen to this song. May it be a prayer. May it open your hearts to what God has for us this morning. The song is through you, though you slave me, uh, right out of the words of Job. Everybody knows, knows the story of Job. And Job said, when he lost everything, though you slay me, I will walk with you. I will trust you. May you hear the voice of God. May it be a prayer in your heart this morning.
my heart and flesh may fade. The earth will all give away, but with my eyes, with my eyes, I'll see the Lord. Not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day, Focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for.
highlight one line there in the third stanza and I'll know every tear was worth it all that's an amazing statement is that true have you found that to be true can you say that all that I'm going through all that I've been through and every tear that I've shed is worth it all I don't think that there's any way you can say that unless you have experienced the power of redemption in Jesus. Bend the knee. Surrender. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. The words in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Let's dig in, gentlemen. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The power of relationship to restore and renovate us. Isaiah 58, 12 is an amazing promise. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate and make the community livable again. Wow. To read that passage with our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine in mind is an amazing picture, is it not? Literally. Literally. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure, attached relationship. A little psychobabble language there secure attached relationship that we are close that jesus looks not for a performance from us but for an for an intimate connection with us so much christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth but biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. Who we are in love with, the intimacy that we crave will not be met through sex. It'll be met by being known, seeing and being seen, experiencing closeness. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus, renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful, mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. And that's what we've been going through. And this morning, we examined two pieces of that transformation puzzle more deeply. The treasure that comes from suffering 
and the incredible change that comes when we begin to tell our stories in a safe place. Our brains change. Neuroplasticity, uh, that you can actually uh, see your brain waves change. That's what we call it. Neuroplasticity, your brain begins to change. So what I want you to do is pick up your pen. I have three questions for you. And I've already asked you kind of the first question in a sense about your suffering. So I want you to identify in relationship to this first question here, what you're going through in your own suffering. How are you suffering? Now, again, it may not be the worst time of your life, but then for others, it is the worst time of your life. But how are you being challenged right now? And, and if you don't have any challenges going on, please see me. Uh, the circus is coming to town and we'll put you in the circus and we'll sell tickets. The man who doesn't suffer, clueless in Seattle is what we'll call you. Because I believe that every man is being challenged because that's just the way God works. He stretches us. And then I want you to um, identify someone else that you know is suffering. Someone that is suffering. And then I just want you to write down Ukraine. I want you to turn to your partner, meet a new friend, turn to a partner, and share what you wrote down on your piece of paper and listen to what he wrote down on his. And then here's Here's what I want you to do. After you share uh, where, where you're being challenged, you hear where he's being challenged, um, you talk about a friend of his that's going through difficulty, you share your friend, you mention the Ukraine, I just want you to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Will you do that? Pair up.
So guys, let me uh, invite you to move toward prayer and just pray for what you've heard, what you've shared, and for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Father, I thank you this morning that you have brought us together. Uh, we're a small group uh, relative to all the hundreds and thousands uh, um, in the Ukraine. And Father, I thank you right now for the suffering uh, that you are bringing us through. Um, I thank you for each man in this room that is facing his own challenges. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us um, as the song says, uh, cry our way through our pain and our suffering, and at the end come out and be able to say it's all worth it. That's an amazing statement, Lord. Give us the faith, give us the strength and the power to walk through what you have brought into our lives and allowed into our lives. And Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, the mamas, the babies, uh, the men who um, stand and defend their home. Lord, protect them, uh, bring this evil that's going on. We don't even know what to believe. We hear all kinds of crazy things. We don't know exactly what's going on, but we can see evil uh, clearly enough. And I ask, Lord, that the gates of hell shall not prevail uh, against those in the uh, um, Ukraine and that you would bring peace, restore, and keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Question number two. When did you tell your story of failure, shame, brokenness in a safe community? And what was that like? I want to ask all the men, uh, the alumni, and the new guys who were at Deer Camp this past weekend just to stand up just to stand up. Guys, we had some 50 or so guys there um, this past weekend. And obviously this is just a small uh, group of our guys. Uh, Paul's dad was there from uh, Texas, which was really cool. Um, and what we experienced is, is nothing short um, of a miracle. I mean, we look like just a bunch of guys at Bass Pro Shop on Saturday morning. Uh, but it was a holy moment. And telling your story in a safe place is absolutely critical to the healing process, I believe. And yet men can go to church, love God all their life, and never experience uh, the dynamic healing of being able to, to experience grace in the middle of their broken stories. So it was a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Question number three, how do you experience 
God with you? Do you feel God with me? And that's going to have everything to do with our study in Isaiah this morning. Emmanuel, God with us, God with me. God, I know you're with me. Though you slay me, I will praise you. The way God uses suffering in our life and promises to use suffering in our life scares me to death. I've seen God use it. I don't want to go through the suffering that I've been through. And again, suffering's always relative. I mean, I stand before you this morning, you know, healthy, and, you know, got more than I deserve. And, you know, it, 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 I feel a little bit embarrassed talking about my suffering because, you know, there's a long list of people that I could talk about right now that are suffering in this room a whole lot more than I've ever suffered. But, but whether, um, you know, it's suffering on a grand scale or a small scale, God uses that in our lives. It's like a branding iron. He sticks that hot iron to us and claims us as his. You are mine. And I've seen God use that uh, in, in my life, and he's using it um, in all of our lives. He's not afraid to use suffering. So turn over to Isaiah chapter 7. And as we continue walking through Isaiah, and again, when, when God brings transformation into our life through Scripture, He will typically give us, all through Scripture, a man, a broken man, an ordinary man, a model for us to follow. And Isaiah is the prophet of all prophets, um, uh, his book is the masterpiece of the Old Testament. Um, beautiful book. And in this section of Isaiah, we meet the third king that Isaiah was prophesying under. His, his ministry um, stretched through four kings. Uzziah, and then Jotham, Uzziah's uh, um, son. And now we come to Isaiah chapter 7. And we, and we meet Ahaz, who was Jotham's son. And Ahaz um, was a man of idolatry. Now, idolatry uh, is a Bible word, in my mind, just for addiction. Uh, that we bow the knee to uh, a someone or a something uh, and, and, and worship that. And that's called idolatry. You know, that's not a word that you use at Walmart. You know, you go into Walmart and start talking idolatry. Somebody get on the intercom and call 911 on you. But the word that I think in modern day culture um, is the word for idolatry is addiction. Um, and addiction can come in all forms, you know, drugs, sex, rock and roll, cheese pizzas at two o'clock in the morning, what I, whatever it is. And Ahaz's heart was cold and dark in idolatry. Um, King Ahaz, um, you know, was so opposed to God as the, as the king of Judah that he, that he uh, 
uh, aligned himself with the king of Syria and uh, the king of Israel, which had gone completely godless now. This was the northern kingdom and um, aligned themselves to attack Judah. And King Ahaz is so clueless as the king of Judah that rather than bow the knee to God, uh, he aligns himself with Assyria um, in order to protect himself from these kings of Syria, uh, 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 Syria and uh, Israel. So he's aligned with Assyria. And that's not going to work out long term. And so Isaiah comes to him. I want you to jump down to verse um, 7 of Isaiah 7. But God, the master says, of course, he's speaking through Isaiah. It won't happen. Nothing will come of it because the capital of Aram is Damascus and the king of Damascus is a mere man, Rezin. See, Isaiah is prophesying and trying to give Ahaz assurance that God will protect Judah and Ahaz if he will just bow the knee to God. As for Ephraim, in 65 years, it will be rubble, nothing left of it. Now, again, that's part of the northern kingdom. The capital of Ephraim is, is Samaria, and the king of Samaria is the mere son of Remelia. If you don't take your stand in faith, you won't have a leg to stand on. Please, Ahaz, take your stand in faith. Please trust God through these political challenges. If you don't trust God in your suffering, then destruction will happen. God will use uh, uh, suffering to get our attention and to awaken our faith. God spoke again to Ahaz. This time he said, ask for a sign from your God. Ask anything. Be extravagant. Ask for the moon. Ask for a sign. Okay, if you don't believe my prophet Isaiah, ask for a sign. Oh, and this is ridiculous. Verse 12, just write out in your margin, ridiculous. Okay, verse 12. But Ahaz said, oh, I would never do that. I'd never make demands like that on God. Oh, isn't Ahaz humble? You know, God's busy. And I would never want to ask God, you know, baloney. He's an addict. You know, he's an addict, total addict, false humility. So Isaiah told him, and this is so powerful. And, you know, this is the Christmas passage here. We, we, we are very aware of this in December. But when you, when you understand the, the context of this promise, it's like this Christmas passage is really given to us in the context of incredible suffering and destruction that will happen if we don't cling to God's promises. So Isaiah told him, verse 13, then listen to this, government of David. It's bad enough that you make people tired with your pious, timid hypocrisies, but now you're making God tired. There's another way we could say that. It's like, eh, you are making me mad, is what God would say. You're making God tired. So the master is going to give you a sign anyway. 
God will speak right in to your false humility. A girl is always a girl, right? A girl who is presently a virgin will get pregnant. She'll bear a son and name him Emmanuel, God with us. And by the time the child is 12 years old, able to make moral decisions, the threat of war will be over. Relax. Those two kings that you so worried that, that you're so worried about will be out of the picture, but also be warned. God will bring you bring on you and your people and your government a judgment worse than anything since the time the kingdom split when Ephraim left Judah. The king of Assyria is coming. Now God speaks through Isaiah and he says, look, the sign is this. There's going to be this girl, this virgin, and she'll give birth. And as she gives birth, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah is giving uh, the picture of what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And you can understand, even when the Jews receive Jesus um, way in the future, they thought it was going to be all political because these prophecies are in, in, a, in a political mess. Okay, so he's going to free us nationally. No, it's not the way it works. What, what God is saying here is that I will make a way for you to be restored with me, not to be given political power once again. But, you know, Ahaz, Mr. Attic, and that's when God will whistle for the flies at the headwaters of Egypt's Nile and the whistle for the bees in the land of Assyria. They'll come and infest every nook and cranny of this country. There'll be no getting away from them. And that's when the master will take the razor rented from across the Euphrates, the king of Assyria, no less, and shave the hair off your heads and genitals, leaving you shamed, exposed, and denuded. He'll shave off your beards while he's at it. Now, guys, this is not a children's sermon. This is not when, okay, boys and girls, come up to the front row, and we're going to have a Bible study. You don't read this passage at that point. But this is the kind of picture that God's saying. It's like, look, I will save you, and if I have to save you through flies and bees, I'll do that. I, I can make it happen, but Ahaz, you've got to trust me. Phil. I know you're suffering, but you've got to trust me. Kevin, I know you're suffering, but you've got to trust me. It will be a time when survivors will count themselves lucky to have a cow and a couple of sheep. At least they'll have plenty of milk. Whoever's left in the land will learn to make do with the simplest foods, curds, whey, and honey. But that's not the end of it. The, this country that used to be covered with fine vineyards, thousands of them worth millions, will revert to a weed patch. Weeds and thorn bushes everywhere, good for nothing except perhaps hunting rabbits. Cattle and sheep will forage at best they can in the fields of weeds, but there won't be a trace of those fertile and well-tended gardens and fields. Well, guys, if somebody came to your house today and said, look, the suffering that you're going through um, is intended to have you bow the knee to God. 
will you just bow the knee or will you stay an addict? Will you stay in your own idolatry? I mean, that's exactly what was happening here with Ahaz. I mean, he, he was responsible for the whole country, just as you and I are responsible for our own homes, our families. And what, what God is saying to Ahaz, Ahaz, just bow the knee. I will send one who will bring healing. And if you don't, there's going to be destruction. Would you bow the knee? Will you bow the knee? Will you allow your suffering to be the means in which you drop to your knees and you cry out to Jesus and you simply give your heart to him? That's how God intends to use our suffering. He's not afraid to do that. Ahaz. See, again, Ahaz was given a sign of hope. God sent the prophet to encourage Ahaz. And yet, if Ahaz would not bow the knee, Isaiah 8, 6 through 22, is a clear laying out of God's sentence of doom for not bowing the knee. So transformation, God gives us a picture um, of hope in order to move us in to transformation. And we've got to understand that there are treasure in suffering. Ashley Abraham, I love dearly. Ashley's not here this morning, right? Ashley gave us a great quote at um, Deer Camp this weekend, right, Marshall? Ashley, I don't know where Ashley got this. You know, he doesn't give up his resources any more than I give up my resources. Um, but I know Ashley didn't come up with this any more than I come up with half the stuff that I share with you. But Ash, Ashley shared this. The treasure you seek is in the cave you are afraid to enter. The treasure you seek is in the cave you are afraid to enter. And many times, gentlemen, God will take us through a time of suffering in order to bring light into that dark place. Every man has issues that particularly hurt or bother him and always have been the way he is likely to get hurt. We hurt because we care. And oftentimes God will put his finger on that which we're addicted to or that is that issue of idolatry. We got our fingernails dug into it and somehow He'll wrap us across the knuckles in, in order to let us re, uh, release that. What have you learned through your suffering?
in addition to our suffering and God using it, it is, it is the telling our story in a safe place that's so critical to allow us to experience God's grace. Guys, the, um, the beauty of what we do at our men's coaching weekend um, is seeing men bring their pain and their shame and their guilt into a safe place, have a chance to risk telling that which they've never told. And then watching the men in the circle be an expression of God's grace. It's real. The tears flow and God's grace holds it. And when you experience something like that, and all of a sudden that which you've been reading from scripture becomes alive and comes real, your brain changes. You're now connected. You're really in a relationship, a healing relationship, and it is dynamic. It's three-dimensional. It's not just theoretical uh, information on a page that you can spout out on a Bible trivia contest. It's alive. It has shape. There, there are story after story after story that the men shared this weekend that was heartbreaking. I mean, I, you know, I, I've said, and I'll, I'll kind of let the cat out of the bag, you know, this morning. Nobody would come to our men's weekend if I told you, hey, uh, how about coming out in the woods? It's kind of a rustic place, and we're going to sit in a circle tell our stories and there'll be a lot of crying and even men hugging each other. Uh, you want to come? <laughs> there wouldn't be anybody come. So, okay. The cat's out of the bag. The dude, it is the most humble, dynamic expression of God's grace that I've ever seen. And I am consistently amazed that each weekend, Joe, is the best weekend we've ever had. It has life because Jesus breathes on it. And men, if we're to be transformed as God intended us to be, I believe his word. I believe that we receive his sign of real life in his sign of I will use suffering to transform you. Ouch, God, that hurts. I, I had dinner with Mark and Roan and Josh Robles last night. And just before I got to the got there, I had a crazy email that hurt my heart deeply. And it was a it was a little bee sting ouch. I mean it wasn't anything like, you know, just gutted me out. But it was a a broken person criticizing what we do, criticizing me personally. Um, and it was from the pit of hell. I mean, I love this guy. I've loved this guy. It was just so painful. 
painful for him that he would be in that kind of a dark place. And, and believe me, I, I deserve to be criticized a lot. I'm not beyond criticism by any means. But, you know, what he was criticizing me for, it's like, dude, I've done some stupid stuff, but no, that, that, ain't, that ain't it. And it. But it was painful. But I'm telling you guys, whatever the suffering is, whether it's a little bee sting suffering or you feel like you're dying, um, bow the knee. Though he slay me, I will um, trust him and keep telling your story. Don't carry that alone. Tell your story to safe men. That's how God transforms our heart. It is the expression of Jesus in the gospel. Uh, allows us in this intimate relationship with Jesus uh, to be connected in a way that transforms us. It's closing prayer. Father, I thank you uh, so much uh, for the gift of this morning. I thank you for the suffering that's in this room uh, that you're using to bring glory to you and healing and transformation to my brothers. Pray you continue to use um, the difficult times. And Lord, once again, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Um, bring healing to them. Restore peace. Thank you for our time this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.